This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show as it really all is now going to begin. Scott Frost and his staff all in Lincoln. They all got in here by the end of the week. They'll have really their first big recruiting weekend here of the new year as uh, we'll get Nate Klaus's uh, breakdown on that as well as uh, on um, their their latest recruit. They just added another junior <coughs> college player. Um, but for Nebraska, the players began classes this week. Um, and then they'll begin winter conditioning um, on Monday as uh, they kind of turn the page forward with Zach Duvall, uh, bring in Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and, and really th- this is kind of, Robin, the beginning of it all. This is when you lay down that first brick or two, um, and we're going to hear the stories about guys puking, working harder than ever before. Um, but this is going to be interesting to see just – um, the change in styles of strength and conditioning going forward, and, and, and just kind of the stories we hear coming out of there, especially a lot of newcomers on campus. Yeah, the, the juggling act is finally over for this staff, and now they are 100% in at Nebraska. And so uh, this week is kind of that acclimation period for everybody. You know, the coaches, players, just meet with the players, get to know everybody, make sure all of the, you know, the team's on the same page, kind of what to expect going forward. But starting Monday morning, uh, it's going to get going. It's going to get going in a hurry. Um, obviously, Zach Duvall, the strength coach, um, the national strength coach of the year, um, has a very thorough program of how you know he wants guys to uh, basically condition through the winter. And they're going to be players that don't like it. They're going to be players that can't handle it. And there's going to be attrition um, between now and certainly the, the start of fall camp. And um, you know, this is kind of what these coaching changes generally bring: is um, you weed out the guys who want to be here and the guys that you know aren't 100% bought in. And then then you go from there. So this is going to be a pretty important next few weeks of kind of establishing that culture and laying down the foundation of what the expectations are within your program and um, basically you know set the tone. Yeah, that setting that tone is going to be crucial, and um, and really, it's the first time that that they've had a chance to take a take a breath and be around their team and get to meet these guys and actually talk with them. You know, it's been um, you know well over a month since everyone's been hired, but they really haven't been in Lincoln hardly at all. So, um, yeah, I think this this week and next week are going to be big just for the staff to get to know the players and for that, especially for Zach Duvall to meet all those players. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as uh, it all begins here for Nebraska as the Scott Frost era officially begins. As This is the first time um, they're going to have any kind of really interaction with the players on campus as they get things moving forward and you know, they've been busy. There's going to be a lot of newcomers on campus, and uh, we're going to hear from the latest one um, in our next segment, transfer quarterback Noah Vedro. But I wanted to get just some thoughts on this because um, this is a kid that, you know, he grew up uh, bleeding Husker red. His dad, Mike, played for Nebraska. His mom, Sarah, uh, her brother's Matt Terman. Um, you know, the two other Vedral uh, uncles of his, uh, John Vedral, Mike Vedral, um, he grew up a Husker, and Scott Frost took a chance on him, brought him out to uh, play for him at Central Florida. He was his number two quarterback, beat out a lot of veteran guys to be that number two, played eight games, completed 75% of his passes, um, and he's going to transfer back here. And, um, you know, I had a great, great conversation with him. We'll hear more from but. Um, I think this is big for a lot of reasons, and you know you, you can kind of speculate on a lot of things. Number one, he's going to really help 
this off year where he has to sit out with the transition of the offense. Uh, but number two, I, I think you, they're kind of bracing for some attrition at that position. Uh, they've already got Adrian Martinez. You bring in Noah Vedral. They might bring in somebody else. Um, but I feel like they're getting their ducks in a row, Robin, knowing they've got to get some arms and quality quarterbacks in this program that know Scott Frost's system. Well, it's hard to label a true sophomore as a veteran kind of leader within a position group, but that's exactly what Noah Vedrill is going to be because he's the only guy that's ever you know practiced a single day uh, in this system. And you know he was a guy that obviously elevated pretty quickly um, within that quarterback group at UCF, and uh, you know impressed Frost enough to name him the number two quarterback as a true freshman who wasn't even an early enrollee so um, that says a lot about Noah and what he's made of not only with his skill set but um, how quickly he's able to pick things up and like you said he, he obviously has to sit out this year uh, but to, to have a guy that just knows what he's doing and knows the terminology and the concepts that can be on the field with those other quarterbacks as just another voice is going to be invaluable because you can never have enough um, you know guys that can uh, provide input and you know answer questions and again it's, it's kind of unique to label a kid that young as a guy in that role but I think that's exactly what Noah's going to be this year yeah I think he's going to be a leader in that regard but also um, with everything else that that comes along with uh, being a part of Scott Frost's program Uh, you know he's a guy that uh, knows what's required what's what's being asked of of him and I think he's going to be looked at you know whatever type of effort he's given in the weight room uh, you know guys are going to watch that and know that that's what's being asked of or that's what uh, they're they're wanting to see in 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 all aspects of uh, of how to be a student athlete under Scott Frost I, I think that Noah will will you know kind of uh, grow into be a, a leader right off the bat, to be honest with you. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we discuss the latest edition of Noah Vedral and kind of what that means uh, going forward to the quarterback room. And um, it, that, 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 I mean, we're going to talk about this for a long time going forward, but um, man, I mean, I, I honestly today have no idea what direction that position is going to go. And, um, you know, Adrian Martinez is going to be here. Uh, obviously, you've got the two guys returning in Patrick O'Brien and Tristan Jebbia. And seriously, if you had a corner me today, I, I really couldn't confidently tell you what's going to happen with this quarterback thing. And um, Noah Vedral's ineligible to play, but um, down the road, he's a guy to watch. And, you know, Robin, it, it, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much airtime we're going to probably be talking about this here over the next several months. Yeah, at least we'll have a, a segment uh, per week on the podcast <laughs> to talk about the quarterback competition all summer. So if nothing else, that, that'll give us that. But I'm with you. You know, I know that you know you and myself and Nate have been asked about it time and again about what to expect with that quarterback competition. And I have zero clue just because there are so many unknowns um, that we just won't have an answer to. And we actually see them take the field. Um, you know, obviously, the one guy that's ever even played it down in the system isn't going to be eligible this year. And so that leaves uh, you know, a freshman that uh, was handpicked by Scott Frost as his number one guy in Martinez, but he hasn't played in a real game since his junior year of high school. Uh, and so where is he in his development? Then you have the two guys that are currently here, Patrick O'Brien and Tristan Jebbia. We don't know if they're both going to be back at the start of the season. One of them's going to be back, or both of them could potentially be gone. Uh, I mean, Can they run, though? To be in this offense, exactly. you have to be able to outrun the linebackers to the edge. And can those guys do that? And that's what we don't know yet. Yeah, and clearly they haven't been asked to do anything like that. And we saw in that you know that bowl game, and even in the uh, over the course of the season, the value of a, a true dual-threat quarterback is so important in Scott's Frost 
offense, and Mackenzie Milton was a perfect fit. And so you got to think that the player that is closest to that build and that uh, you know that that skill is is probably going to be the guy that ends up being you know the, the number one when all is said and done. Yeah, I don't think the staff even knows what to expect out of this group, and that's why it was so crucial for them to go out and, and get their handpicked guy in Adrian Martinez and and to bring in a guy like Noah Vedral, who Scott Frost recruited um, you know out of high school and, and saw as a, as a big time fit in this offense, and and they're they're looking to add another quarterback, another high school quarterback to the mix as well. So uh, I think they're just they're kind of trying to have a couple safety nets built in uh, to see you know uh, depending on how everything shakes out here, because I don't think anybody really knows until the uh, until the pads go on in the spring and, and they kind of get an idea of. Uh, of who can do what? Well, when we come back, we're going to hear from Noah Vedral. As I had a chance to catch up with Noah as he's made his way to Lincoln, he's began classes, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on just what last year was like for him at Central Florida and much more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, it's been busy for Nebraska here on the recruiting trail as they continue to add more players, but they're also adding some transfer players here. And uh, over the last couple of days, Nebraska uh, added a transfer from Central Florida, former Wahoo Bishop Newman quarterback Noah Vedrill. And Noah, you know, just a little bit over a week ago, as we're joined by Noah Vedrill here on the Husker Online Show, you were in Atlanta with Scott Frost. Uh, finishing out a 13 and 0 season, eight nine days later, you announce you're transferring, coming back home to Nebraska. What was the last week like for you? Because I have to imagine this has not been easy uh, after the year you guys went through, and then to go through this process to come to Nebraska. Yeah, no, uh, the last week's been a very interesting week for me um, and for my family. Uh, we were experiencing some pretty pretty high highs uh, with the Peach Bowl win. And, uh, the celebrations that followed and all that stuff. And then obviously some tough decisions uh, followed that game um, and some pretty hard goodbyes uh, to my brothers at UCF and all the guys and the uh, friends that I have back there. Um, and then obviously I think um, anyone who's transferred knows or has even looked into the transfer process knows it's kind of chaotic. Um, there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of logistics that go into it. Um and my family and I have been sorting through that as well as moving, um, get everything done. I mean, I owe my dad a big thank you. He uh, met me in Florida and then was um, kind enough to drive my stuff back for me. Uh, he made a almost day-long trip drive from Orlando back to Lincoln um, to help me make this transition as smooth as possible. Um, so it's been uh, a really big family effort. My mom helping me with academics as I get enrolled. Um, and stuff like that so uh, it's been a chaotic week but um, I'm happy to be home yeah you you go back Noah about over a year ago you made the decision to go to Central Florida follow Scott Frost uh, you know to to move away all the way from Wahoo out to Orlando Uh, what did you see in Scott Frost or, or Coach Frost back then that made you want to go out there and follow him and and, and, and obviously you, you've seen something here over this past year that makes you want to follow him now to Nebraska. Um, back when uh, I, he was recruiting me out of high school, um, I really I saw a coach that uh, had something special about it about him. Um, I know some guys always call it the it factor uh, when they evaluate players. I think as a player evaluating coaches in the recruiting process, he really, uh, he really has that it factor. And 
Um, he's able to make kids excited to play for him and excited to play the game when he takes over a program and stuff like that. Um, and it was very clear with the way he did things at UCF and how quick he got that uh, that university to turn around and that team to be something special. Uh, I think he's a, he relates really well to players. He's a really fun guy uh, to play for. Um, he does everything the right way. He's honest. He's fair. Um, he has high expectations. Um, he pushes you to be the best you can be. And um, personally, I mean, I uh, I followed him down there because I really believe, and I still do believe that his offense is the right fit for me. Um, I feel that I was, that I can play extremely well in his offense and stuff like that. So obviously, fit was a big thing. But uh, he's a tremendous coach with tremendous character, um, and um, I'm really grateful for to get the opportunity uh, to come back home and to kin- continue my career underneath. Um, a special head coach like he is. We're joined by Noah Vedral here on the Husker Online Show, the latest uh, Nebraska quarterback they've added uh, from Wahoo Bishop Newman coming back home from Central Florida. When did you know, Noah, this past season? I mean, was there a point? I mean, because even Coach Frost has said this. He thought going into the year this might be like an 8-4 and four type team. When was the moment you guys knew that, you know what, like we could, we can do this, like 12-0, and 13-0, it's, it's attainable? Um, I think that feeling, I mean, we kind of got hints of it when we beat Maryland pretty bad at, at Maryland. Um, but we knew they were kind of down and they were on their third string quarterback. So we really didn't think too much or want to get too high of a, too high after a win like that. And then um, I think it really happened though, after we played Memphis, who was um, this past year kind of picked to a win the American um, and to be the team that the group of five that the American wanted to send to a big bowl game. And we beat them handily at home. Um, with almost no hiccups, played really well, um, and uh, beat them pretty good at our home field. And after that, we started to see, okay, we, we really do have something special. And then uh, we took care of business down the home stretch, and then we got to our last three games. And um, I really think three of the most exciting college football games of the year. And um, in those three games, it really came to show that we really did have something special and that the group of guys there really, really did have, really did buy in and really believed in uh, what we were doing. And I mean, the execution went way up. The emotion went way up. The passion went way up and uh, we were able to win three big games. When did you realize that it was attainable, that you could be the the outright number two and play in eight games? I mean, you kind of came in under the radar, I think on a lot of eyes, a lot of people down there. I mean, there were five quarterbacks, I believe on the roster there and you passed up everybody, but McKenzie Milton and, and you got a lot of valuable snaps behind him. How valuable was that for you to play as a freshman, and 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 why do you think you were able to kind of make such a big jump in your first year of college football? Uh, yeah, no. Um, through camp, um, I had a really good camp and um, was able to pick up the playbook really quickly, uh, which makes um, life as a quarterback a bit easier when you're able to know what you're doing and focus on doing things well um, instead of focus on what you're doing. Um, but toward the end of camp, um, and into the first uh, week of game prep, um, it became clear that I'd end up being the backup. And um, I was really excited about that because um, obviously anyone uh, who's playing in college is trying to get as close to the starting job as they can until they get there. Um, and the snaps this season really proved to be um, of tremendous value. And I can, I can honestly say I've learned so much through just those quarters here and there where I was able to get in and take um, series against teams like Temple who had a really good defensive line um, and take a few snaps against the Memphis who is um, 
in my opinion, they're a top 25 team and a really good team. Um, those reps proved to be huge, huge, huge help, helping factors in me growing as a quarterback. And then um, through the help of my coaches and stuff like that, and uh, so help from McKenzie and the other quarterbacks in the unit, um, I was able to pick stuff up quickly and to grow really quickly, getting the chance to finally specialize in um, just one sport and being able to dedicate all my time and attention to um, being the best quarterback I can be really um, accelerated the process for me in my first year. And I feel really good about where I'm at. I'm not not ready to settle down, though, but I know I've got a red shirt in front of me to get um, a lot bigger and a lot faster and a lot stronger, um, which I think will be proved to be very valuable um, after this red shirt season. You know, Noah, and you talked about that redshirt as we were, we talked to Noah Bedrill here. Um, what what do you? I mean, I what? How do you mentally kind of keep yourself in it, knowing right now you're going to probably have to wait 650 some days probably until you play in a football game in 2019? What are the challenges kind of as you approach the competition, knowing that you really obviously have to kind of wait a while before you can play in your first game? Really, for me mentally, it's really um, self progress. Um, the benefits of taking a redshirt year really give you a chance to truly dial in um, in the weight room and in your nutrition um, and in the playbook to become a smarter, more efficient quarterback. I think I think quarterbacks who have redshirt years I think really do benefit from them just because they get to swap a, their 18 or 19 year old season for their 22 year old season, and um, you'll be a bigger, you'll be a different quarterback at at, at age 22 than you would be at 18 or 19. Um, and that's simply just through experience and being around things longer. I mean, the more familiar you are with things, the better any quarterback will ever play. Um, so I'm excited to just get a year to really work on um, strength, um, increased velocity, um, size, and speed are really, um, for every college athlete, those are really big emphasis points. And um, I'm really excited to get the chance to really zero in um, and have a big year in the weight room. And, um, just mentally just staying uh, supportive and making sure I can do everything in my power to help this team succeed this year. And then also doing everything I can to make sure I'm ready to compete for the job uh, when my time comes and the redshirt year is over. You mentioned uh, the weight room. Um, Zach Duvall, the new strength coach at Nebraska, worked with you. His entire strength staff will be up here for the most part. Give us an insight on, on what he brings and you know, I heard Coach Frost talk about how this was the fewest amount of injuries he's had in a season, and he credited the strength staff for that with Zach Duvall. What, what will he bring to Nebraska? Uh, I think he brings tremendous toughness um, and unbelievable development of athletes. Um, he does a really good job of personalizing uh, the weight program, not just randomly selecting workouts that would best suit the average football player, but really tailoring um, weights and workouts and exercises to each specific athlete to help um, bring their ceiling up and to raise or bring the floor up and raise their ceiling as an athlete. Um, he does an unbelievable job of that. Uh, expectations are high and he's really good about pushing you to achieve whatever it is that you need to achieve to become a better athlete. Um, and then obviously they know the difference between in-season, off-season and in-season. They're really good um, about making sure our strength stays up and not slacking. Uh, making sure every athlete is fine-tuned and ready to go every Saturday. Um, they do a great job keeping up and following up with uh, all of their athletes that they get to work with. i got to ask you, what, how, first of all, living in Orlando, as we wrap it up here, how many times did you get to go to a Disney over the last six months? I know you were out there for the parade, but 
Uh, what will you miss the most about Orlando after living there the last six months? Oh, man, I think I think the thing I'll miss the most, I think, are the people. Um, but secondarily, I think, like, getting up in the morning and being able to sleep in shorts, get up and throw on your hoodie and just walk across um, in flip-flops to the football offices and get ready for practice that we dearly missed. Um, as I come home and we're getting ready for a blizzard um, in the coming days. So that'll be dearly missed with the sunshine and stuff like that. But the sad thing is, is I only got to go to the beach, I think, a couple times in the six, six-ish months that I was there because of, um, I mean, we were practicing almost the whole time. So it's, it was a little hard to get away, but uh, the weather will be dearly missed. <laughs> well, hey, Noah, uh, I think I speak for everybody. Welcome back to Nebraska. Uh, I'm sure it's been an emotional ride, but you've gained a lot over this last year, and uh, I'm sure you're excited to be back home. Thank you, and I'm really excited to be back home. Uh, I know I speak for myself and for the coaches and for the players already here that we're ready to um, get Nebraska back where it used to be and where it should be. All right, that's a new Nebraska quarterback transfer, Noah Vedrill, joining us here on the Husker Online Show. When we come back, we'll shift the conversation back over to basketball as uh, the Nebraska basketball team has a big game Friday at Penn State. We'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, you know, I'm invested in Jordy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if we don't have Jordy, we might not win the game. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. I feel the same way about Thomas Allen. I thought he did a lot of really smart things for us. So some kind of, you know, not the usual suspects. You know, some of the other guys uh, really uh, came to save the day. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we shift over to Nebraska basketball. That was head coach Tim Miles talking about what Jordy Schmanga gave the Huskers in their 63 to 59 win over Wisconsin, Nebraska. Now 12 and 6, 3 and 2. They've got a big game Friday night at Penn State, 6 p.m. Central Time tip. Um, this is kind of one of those swing games, and we'll talk about that more. But let's first talk, Robin, about this Wisconsin game. It was kind of what you expected. Uh, Nebraska, you know, had better players, I thought, on the floor. Um, they they made their runs, but Wisconsin still found a way to kind of muddy the waters and stay in that game. It almost kind of reminds you how Doc Sadler's teams used to play people, uh, just kind of keeping it close, and then they made their run and almost pulled it off at the end. Yeah, this Wisconsin team is a shell of its former self. Um, injuries have decimated them. They've obviously lost a ton of talent, um, you know, to the NBA, and then the, you know they're relying on a lot of young players uh, who are taking a little bit longer to acclimate to their roles than you know they would have thought, and so. So they, I think they're a team that'll be back relatively soon. But right now, they're they're struggling hard. And so Nebraska came into this game. I think it, the line opened at like three and a half and dropped all the way down to you know one and a half uh, just before tip off. So for whatever reason, people weren't giving Nebraska much of a chance. And um, the game played out like you said, exactly how you thought. Um, Wisconsin, you know, they they are the lowest scoring team in the Big Ten for a reason. Uh, they take as much time on the shot clock, operate entirely on the half court, and basically try to let Ethan Happ uh, do 95% of their offense. And, well, that's exactly how the game played out. And I guess the the as Nebraska was in the game got ugly. Uh, the second half was not pretty whatsoever, um, but they did what they needed to do to win the game. And um, as I've said time and again, style points are not an issue for this team. They, they mean nothing. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is did you win or lose? And right now, uh, Nebraska has already matched its win total from a year ago, and we're not even halfway through January. And so clearly, uh, you know, they, they're on track for where they need to be. And winning games like the Wisconsin games, when you should win at home, uh, that's, you know, a, a big 
big step, the things that need to happen for you to uh, you know stay on that track to make an NCAA tournament. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we discuss Nebraska basketball. Glenn Watson, Robin, it, it's so hard to figure out that guy um, because – you know, you go back to the Northwestern game, he makes a couple plays early, and then all of a sudden he carried them that night in Evanston in front of a lot of his friends and family. Uh, but then, you know, he's a non-factor against a team like Wisconsin. How? What? What is your read on Glenn? Is it a mental thing? Is he just taking a step back? How do you read kind of his up-and-down season? Well, I asked Tim Miles about it uh, after the game, and he basically said Glenn was just not good defensively. Um, he was making mistakes uh, with the ball on offense, and it got to the point where they decided to bench him, and he was on the bench you know, inside of two minutes um, in you know, a one- or two-possession game uh, in favor of you know some non-starters. And so that was pretty telling about where um, Glenn was that night. Now, he's too good of a player to think that this is something that's going to last much longer um you know i guess the the stat that's kind of the most concerning is i think what for the last five, five of the last six games he's been seven points or less uh, and this is a guy that is such a crucial piece to their offense um, i mean he's one of your go-to scorers and so you can't uh, get that type of production on him or from him uh, on a regular basis he needs to be the guy that you know scored uh, in double figures i think in 10 of their first 15 games i mean that that's the kind of player nebraska needs glenn watson to be and tim Miles didn't seem overly concerned about it um, you know he said we'll get him going um, you know he just is Got to, got to figure some stuff up right now. But um, clearly, uh, if he is going to struggle like this you know, for much longer, it's going to be a real detriment to Nebraska's success. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we discuss uh, the Huskers now. And, and now, Robin, they move on uh, with a Friday night game. And, you know, I don't want to say it's a must-win game because they're all must-win games. But this is kind of one of those swing games for Nebraska. Um, and we've, we've been down this road. You and I have worked together now almost, I think, 10 seasons and you've you've covered a game like this Penn State game so many times where they're they're showing signs of progress, they're itching to make that next step, and then they lose a game like this. What is your read on this game and its importance? Well, first and foremost, going to Penn State is by far from a gimme. Um, you know, I know a lot of people just kind of have that stigma of Penn State basketball, uh, where they're just kind of a pushover team, bottom of the barrel, Big Ten. But um, they're a significantly better team than what I think most Nebraska fans either don't know about or want to admit. Uh, and so the idea that Nebraska um, is you know the clear favorite going into this game on the road um, is probably a little misleading. I um, mean, you know, I think Penn State right now, according to KenPalm.com, is you know almost a 80% favorite to win. So, I mean, this is far from there. I think they're 43rd overall in uh, the Ken Palm rankings. And so, I mean, this is a, a very talented Penn State team. Nebraska has struggled to win at Penn State uh, in previous years. And so this is um, going to be a much more difficult challenge than a lot of people think. But it kind of goes back to the formula that we talked about a while ago is um, Nebraska, the most important thing is they have to hold serve at home. You know, they have to win the Wisconsin game at home. They have to beat Illinois at home. Um, you know, you have to beat Rutgers at home. Uh, just because going on the road and winning in this conference, especially this season where there's so much parity, is, I mean, if, if you're banking on that, you're, you're leaving yourself with pretty poor odds. And so, yes, this would be a huge win if they could go on the road and do it. I wouldn't certainly would put it out of the question that Nebraska can win this game. But to think that this is kind of a gimme situation is far from the truth. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss Nebraska basketball. And, and really, this stretch, Robin, is such a big stretch. Uh, you, you got through the first hurdle at home. 
here uh, against Wisconsin. You go to Penn State, and then two big home games that are winnable home games, Illinois and Michigan. Uh, it's a Monday-Thursday schedule, so it's Friday, Monday, Thursday, three games over the course of seven uh, for Nebraska. I mean, just put into words what this week means to kind of uh, the ne- if this program wants to make that next step. Well, again, I mean, you you got to defend home court, and you know that Michigan game. Um, I think Nebraska is probably going to be the underdog, even though it is at home. Uh, they've never beaten Michigan since joining the. Big I was going to say, I don't think they have. Yeah. That, that's crazy. Now that you even say that, that even that tournament year where they uh, the one they home lost loss. one game, it was on a, a buzzer beater to Michigan. So uh, for whatever reason, the Wolverines have had their number. Uh, so that's you know that's going to be easier said than done. Um, obviously, they have um, you know, that next Monday. Uh, you go to Ohio State, who is much better than anyone thought they were going to be um, then they got Rutgers who almost beat Michigan State on Wednesday night uh, so uh, like I said the Big Ten is kind of widely being considered a down conference this year but the reality is well you have your you don't have like the the true dominant elite teams maybe outside of Michigan State and Purdue the rest of the conference as a whole is so much better and there is I mean there, there are no cellar dwellers uh, you know those pushover games I mean it's a night in night out uh, struggle and so that that's why I say that you can't take anything for granted and Nebraska has to like they, to stay on track they have to win the games at home that they're supposed to and find a way to go on the road and steal a couple well it's going to be a big week for Nebraska Robin will have full coverage of the game uh, against Penn State Friday uh, as, as uh, the Nebraska basketball team hopes to stay on track and, and pick up the 13th win, uh, which would be more wins than they had all of last year. And here we are only um, in early January. When we come back, uh, we're going to ship back over to the mailbag. We have both interns in studio, a rare treat. Um, and uh, we will uh, get David and Matt on the show next as uh, lots of questions here in the mailbag. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan. And we were normally have our mailbag segment here on our show, but unfortunately we had some technical difficulties. So instead of our normal weekly mailbag segment, uh, we bring you some Bobby Bowden as Husker Online interns Matt Reynoldson and David Eichold were in Omaha for the Outland Trophy Awards ceremony on this past Wednesday night. And uh, one of the highlights of the night was former Florida State legendary national championship coach Bobby Bowden was in Omaha as a guest of Tom Osborne's winning a special award. And uh, Coach Bowden talked about his early meetings with Nebraska and much more here in this conversation. It, it eventually made our program. So that was the first time I played in Nebraska. So we came up in 80, and I'm sure we were under. I know they, I think they were three in the nation, and we were underdogs. We might have been, we might have been 10th, 11th, and we won the. We kicked four field goals, and they were on our three-yard line at the end of the game, fixing to win the game like they always do, and they fumbled the but they had the fumble that beat us, and we recovered it and ran the clock out. That's the first thing I remember. But the thing I remember most about that game was how good the people were. When, when we ran off the field, nobody spit on us. You know, they they congratulated us. I'm not used to that. You know, I'm used to running off the field down there and people throwing stuff at you and all that stuff. But I did notice how good the people were in Nebraska. And that's and so and, and every time we played up here the same way when they won or when we won, and uh, so I have always, uh, any time I have been invited to come back to Nebraska and speak, 
or, or, or for Tom, I'm coming. You know, if I've got my calendar clean, I'm never, never turn it down. Did you write a letter after that game? I sure did. Wrote it to the paper, I guess. Tell them how great the people were. And it went national, you know. Everybody in Tallahassee found out knew about it. And we had a lot of people that came up to that game. Was it enough? Was that was that just experienced so much for you that you just felt compelled to write a letter? Or was that something you did also? No, I, I, that's the only one I remember right. Right. It, it was so different. And that and I've and I, I've been asked many times, what is the biggest game in my career? I've always said that game. That put us on the map. Back in those days, you didn't beat Nebraska at Nebraska. That hadn't been true lately. But back in those days, you didn't beat them there. You know what? So that, it, it put us on the map. People said, who, who in the world is Florida State? We, wasn't, we were not anybody. Coach, have you, have you um, spent any time yet with uh, Willie Taggart in Tallahassee? I haven't spent any time with him. I've talked to him several times on the phone. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm supposed to call him when I get back tomorrow. I might do that. Okay. But uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll do anything I can to help him. Do you expect to be more, uh, be around more uh, than you have been in recent years? I don't want to be. You don't want to no, be? No, no. I'm too old. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'd rather watch it on television than to get into my car and drive and try to find a parking place, then get up there in the stands and won't nobody let you watch the ball game. You know, then get out, and then can't get out of the dead gum parking lot. I'd rather stay home watching on TV. Sure you get somebody I won't change you. that. Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I get somebody to drive me, but I, I really, enjoy, really enjoy watching on television. Refrigerator ain't about as far behind that wall. That's kind of been your your uh, way of doing things for most of the time since you retired. Yeah, when, when I when I left Florida State. Jimbo, I, 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 I uh, recognized through our staff at the last game, here's your new football coach, you know. And so the day I left and moved out of that office, I went by Jimbo's office and said, Jimbo, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to be around here. I know what would happen if I hung around there. Every time he made a mistake, they'd be comparing him and, and saying, why don't you do it like this? Because I've been through that on the other end. I didn't want him to go through it. But you, you – um like Willie, you seem to you you, uh, you and what you know of him and, and the time that you that you visited with him, you feel like that's a good a good move. I believe it is. I believe it is. You know, all you got to do is watch trends. Mm -hmm. If you watch trends, you know he was raised in Florida. He loved Florida State. Uh, he used to see my my television show every Sunday. He said, "I watch the Bobby Bowden show every Sunday." You know, that's the way kids are. Mm -hmm. I, I was the same way with Bear Bryant. Yeah. I'd watch yeah. his show every Sunday. You know, and uh, so he he wanted to be there. That that was one of the big things. Jim, I think Jimbo was ready to leave. What do you think of Lane Kiffin? I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. And it's very interesting. He, he was not successful at other places, but he was super successful there. At, to, uh, at FAU. Yeah, FAU. Yeah. What you got to realize, he's coaching somebody else's boys. Mm -hmm. See, oh, uh, uh, Coach uh, Central Florida, he, he was coaching his boys. He recruited them, you know. Sure. So I, Lane, maybe Lane is over the hump. Maybe he's grown up. That's all I can say, baby.
He's got quite the personality. Huh? He seems to have quite the personality. He's got a great personality. He knows how to get attention and and uh, mixes good with people. And uh, might and he might be a great one. I don't know. You know, if you look at his past, you're not sure. Right. But what he did last year was really magnificent. You uh, know his dad well, you know Monty? Uh, you know, I met him when we were down. I had kept up with him because he used to coach the Bucks sure. down there. And I met him when uh, they, my son coached at Akron. He played them in the bowl and got killed. But I met met his, met his dad and talked to him. Um, another question about the, the uh, championship game on Monday night. Um, you mentioned uh, the quarterback play for Alabama. Uh, the fresh, they brought a freshman off the bench, of course, in the second half, and he led them to 26 points in the win. In your in your time as a coach, were were there was there ever a freshman that you recall who was capable of doing something like that, or have things changed with the readiness? You know, you know, you know, we we did have a situation like that. My first year at Florida State, that was our losing. It was the only losing year we had. Went five and six. But that was, they, 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 that made me mayor then. Mm -hmm. If I'd have run with that, you know, could have been one of them, one and two. And uh, so my first year, we had a quarterback named Jimmy Black, who was a senior. And he was an option quarterback. I ran the option back in those days. And he did, but th then he would go through, then I had another freshman, Jimmy Jordan, who was all, he broke every passing record in the state of Florida. And he was a freshman. And, and I, would, I would insert him in the game at times, you know. And, uh, and uh, he could really fire the ball. And, uh, and so I did interchange occasionally, you know. But it was, and it was not, I've forgotten whether it was where I had a plan to do that or whether it was because Jimmy was in, ineffective. And that, or it could have been we just needed a pass. Because Jim, Jimmy was a great drop back passer, and uh, our other quarterback was had, had to run and throw them to complete it. So I did, and I did that for three years. Because I had another quarterback, both of them from the same high school, both of them great passers, and 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 the, the next the next three years when they played together, because they were one of them had redshirted, so he was a sophomore with Jimmy. Then that year, I would I would play one long we win and leave with him. But if he start we started losing or he had problems, I put the other one in. We did that for three years. Got a lot of publicity out of it. Yeah. That one of them was Jimmy Jordan, the other was Wally Woodham, and they called him Jimmy Woodham. Okay. It's one quarterback. As as that game came came down the line this week, you had freshmen on true freshmen on both sides. Yeah. Who were leading their teams? Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a, an anomaly, like maybe not representative of the ability of true freshmen around the country. Or are these guys coming in a lot more ready to play now than they've ever been? I think that is true. They are more exposed to playing, and uh, some of them are more mature and ready. And uh, but it it is it, it is seldom. I'm sure, I'm sure coaches would rather have a veteran. They'd rather have, you know. Well, those two kids are talented. Yeah. Surprised oh. to see Nick do that? Change change quarterbacks in the in the middle of a game like that with so much on the line? No, not surprised. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I didn't know what he had. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know other kids that good. Right. You know. But knowing what he knew, he he might have known that he. Well, he, he probably knew he was. He's probably knew he was, he wasn't going to beat Georgia running the dog on football. He's going to have to throw it. You know what? So he might as well say, well, I might as well put this kid in. Because the kid, 
through, I think, about four or five. First time ball game did it, man. Wow, he was, he was, he amazed at me. Now, 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 what'll happen now? Everybody will study that film. They'll know how to play him next year. He won't surprise anybody, you know. But he still might tear him up. If he's up. the starter, huh? if he's the starter, if, if he's the starter, that's right. Well, they'll have that competition this spring. That's something. And thanks again to former Florida State head coach Bobby Bowden for taking some time out to talk to the local media here in Nebraska. We come back, uh, we will close the show with some recruiting as Husker Online's Nate Klaus will join us here next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk some recruiting here to close out the show. And Nate, Nebraska closed out with a um, another commit here this week. And um, this one kind of came by surprise a little bit, at least the timing of it and how it all played out. Mike Williams from East Mississippi Community College, better known as Last Chance U, gives Nebraska another JUCO early enrollee. He's number five, um, and, you, you, you know, this one, he's coming in this weekend, but um, this one kind of came by as a surprise how it played out on Wednesday. Yeah, and really it's a unique situation because – uh, he was a qualifier out of high school, ended up, you know, wasn't highly recruited, ended up signing with Georgia Southern, uh, played sparingly as a true freshman, and then kind of took a gamble uh, on himself and said, you know what, I'm going to transfer um, out of Georgia Southern, enroll at East Mississippi Community College in hopes to, to land a, a bigger opportunity to play at a Power 5 school and to show what he can do. And um, and, and he did exactly that. He, he enrolled at East Mississippi uh, this past season. Ended up being the leading receiver on that team that's that's loaded with talent, uh, helped lead them to a national championship uh, where they, oddly enough, played against a couple other Husker signees and Greg Bell and Jerron Woodyard, uh, but, uh, you know, was still kind of not highly recruited and, and he graduated in December and decided not to sign early with any of the offers that he had and and was kind of hoping for a bigger opportunity to come around and all of a sudden uh, Nebraska Tennessee UCLA Texas A&M kind of entered the picture and the Huskers offered last week uh, and he went ahead and jumped on that offer on Wednesday and he'll be able to start school uh, this coming Monday you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Nate Klaus as we talk recruiting and what's crazy Nate you Think about the junior college national championship game took place at the beginning of December. Jerron Woodyard and Mike Williams are the two leading receivers that came out of that game in terms of total yardage on the season per their respective teams, Arizona Western and East Mississippi. They are both going to be in Lincoln. They're both on campus right now. And they're both really fast. Uh, I mean, they're both playmakers. So um, they're, that, that's going to immediately give that group a boost. And, and that position group was arguably the thinnest group um, on the team. Uh, it's probably the biggest need in this recruiting class. So um, you, now all of a sudden you got two instant impact type guys that have experience uh, that have played, you know, college football before. Uh, it, you know, that's the speed's not going to be a huge difference to them. And, and two playmakers like that, I, I think that uh, uh, you, you have to like what they've been able to accomplish at that group. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting. And now, Nate, Nebraska embarks on the second half of this. And they're in a similar spot to a lot of schools that went through coaching changes. I think when you look at UCLA, Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Florida, Florida, Florida State, Nebraska. 
you know, there's a lot of teams, uh, you know, I've been asked this question all week at different events I've talked to or fans and why is Nebraska's recruiting ranking so low? They talk about what they're doing, why they're ranked so low. Well, they haven't had a chance to complete the class. And this second half for a lot of teams that underwent coaching changes, Nate, how big is it going to be? Well, it's huge because, I mean, let's face it, the the, the pool of available players is um, – about is, 20%. Yeah, it's it's way smaller uh, than what it would normally be at this time in years past. So um, so you're going to have to – you know, you're going to have to hit at a fairly high rate here uh, to kind of close this class out. Um, you know, they have limited amount of official visits left, actually. So uh, they have to be very picky with how they do this. And uh, I like their strategy. You know, they're bringing – in their top guys this weekend and, and the the weekend of January nineteenth, and I think they're going to be you know able to to kind of um, not not pressure guys to commit, but kind of you know toot their own horn a little bit and say, hey, look, you know what, we've got the blueprint here. We we were able to turn UCF around from zero and twelve to uh, undefeated, and, and you know we won the the Peach Bowl and the mythical national championship or whatever. Uh, we got the coach of the year. We have the strength coach of the year, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and there's a lot of hype here. So, uh, you know, if, if you want to get on, you need to do it now or else there, there's other guys that are that are going to be waiting to, to get on. So, uh, you know, I, I think that we're going to see a little bit of a flurry of, of commitments uh, come out of this weekend and, and then probably that weekend of the 19th. Uh, and then they'll they'll have a good read on, OK, what what do we need uh, to, to really close this class out with? And they'll have a, a good idea of who's left out there and um, and who they really need to get on campus. Campus to to you know put a bow on this 2018 class. They give us an idea of this weekend. I mean, this is going to be a big weekend for a lot of teams uh, because this is kind of like where you lay the foundation for the second half. And by the end of you know the last weekend, it's kind of more your plan B guys that you, you know you're trying to fill out with. Um, what are you looking for of this group of visitors that will be on campus? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, really you, you're looking for uh, guys that, that are, are excited to, to be a part of something what, that's going on in Lincoln. Uh, and I think for the most part, all all these visitors that are coming, uh, you know, to campus this weekend, they had other opportunities to visit other schools, but they decided to, to book their official with Nebraska first coming out of the dead period uh, to kind of see what, what, you know, what Lincoln's all about, what the program's all about, uh, to in some cases to get to know uh, Coach Frost and this uh, coaching staff better, um, you know. So I, I think that uh, there's a couple positions that they're really going to push for. You know, a guy like four-star uh, athlete Miles Jones. Uh, you know, three-star. Uh, running back Maurice Washington out of Texas, um, you know, a couple other guys, um, you know, in this in this class, Cameron Jones, a four-star safety, uh, you know, Tyon Palmer, who's a, a big-time corner out of Georgia that are going to be here. I mean, there's there's ten official visitors uh, that are going to be here, and, and I think that um, you're going to see some of those guys go ahead and, and jump on board here and, and kind of uh, be excited about what's taking place. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk. Uh, Big Red recruiting. And, Nate, a lot of stuff goes into the numbers. And I think um, when you look at this class right now, it's crazy. I wrote this this week. Uh, back in the summer in June, I mean, they thought 17, 18 was going to be pushing it. And now it's really looking like you're going to have 22 to 24 guys 
Um, I mean, how important is it in your eyes that Nebraska gets to that 88 number, the maximum number the Big Ten lets you be at on signing day? Yeah, I think that's huge. Uh, if you're Nebraska, you have to take advantage of of over-signing by the three that the, the conference allows you to because because um, there's always going to be attrition. Um, and, and there's always, you know, there's always one or two players in pretty much every class that, that may be on the fence academically. Uh, and you just never know what's going to happen. Happen. And so um, and when you don't plan for that, it's usually going to come back to bite you. And that's what we saw happen a couple times under under Mike Riley and uh, where you head into the fall, you know, kind of way under the 85 limit. Um, and, and, you you know, as RSS likes to say on Husker Online, that that's kind of, you know, the self probation uh, when you when you do that. And and sometimes that can be a hard cycle to, to get out of. And so I think that this staff, though, uh, I mean, they've been very aggressive. Uh, with the way that they've offered players and went about getting guys on campus. Uh, and I have no reason to believe that that these guys aren't going to maximize um, each and every recruiting class to get to that 88. It will be interesting to see, Nate, as, as you look at kind of how the weekend shapes out. And, and, I mean, with the addition of Noah Vedral here as we wrap it up, um, you, you've already got Adrian Martinez do you still believe they are going to add another quarterback if possible in this class? Yeah, there's two guys uh, that I think that they've got a fairly decent shot at getting, and one of which is visiting this weekend, Matthew Tago uh, out of California, a big 6'4", 225-pound athlete, um, you know, has offers to play outside linebacker, defensive end, tight end to some schools, really wants to play quarterback. Um, he's got a, a heck of an arm. Uh, it, uh, he threw for over 3,000 yards and 38 touchdowns, 10 interceptions this year. Uh, so he's accurate. He, do, he doesn't have the prettiest mechanics, uh, but I think Nebraska is willing to, to bring in a guy who's a good athlete uh, that uh, Mario Verdusco could potentially uh, refine into uh, a quarterback. And you know what? If it doesn't happen, if things don't work out there, then you still have a really good athlete that could project to a couple different positions. And then you have Jamari Joyner out of Arizona that has been a longtime commitment to, to the University of Arizona. He lives in Tucson, uh, but with the whole rich Rodriguez deal, he's kind of opened things back up, and he's going to be visiting Nebraska uh, January 19th, has a couple other visits, uh, one of which is to Alabama. Uh, so we'll see. I think that both those guys are highly interested, though, and, and uh, I think one of one of the two will end up signing with Nebraska. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend for the Husker Online team. Make sure you are logged on. It's going to be cold and snowy out, but what well, plenty of recruiting coverage as Nate Klaus, Brian Munson, Mike Mattia will keep you up to date on the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 